y'all. Welcome to Lit Happens, a book lovers podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Megan. Join us as we dive into our current reads, favorite tropes, and everything in between. And friends, just a heads up, there will be spoilers and cursy words. Consider yourself warned. Hey guys. Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of Lit Happens. Today we're going to be visited by special guest Jessica Lee to talk about her debut novel, A Daughter Forged in Fire. I know I have mine right here with me too. It's just so pretty. It is. Um, It's beautiful and it feels so nice. I just love it. Yeah, I do like the way it feels. And did you notice there's like, I don't know if yours has it. I don't know if it's because like the paper was glittery, but there's like a little bit of glitter on mine still and it makes me happy. Must be the paper. Well, I like it because I like glitter. It's fine. (laughs) Hi. Hello. Hello. It's so good to finally meet you guys in person. You You too. too. Person. (laughs) Hey, this counts. It does count. I agree. Oh, wait, you have a coffee mug too? What are you drinking? I'm drinking, so my friend from work got me this, it's like a dessert um, matcha green tea. So it's like coconut vanilla green tea. Ooh, that's pretty good. It's super good. So we just got done with our work holiday party tonight. So oh, that's exciting. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, Mine's just good old hot chocolate. Sipping ginger ale. <laughs> nice. So where are you at? You're in North or South Carolina? I'm in North Carolina. Oh, you, you've been a nice place. We traveled around a bit and finally settled in NC. So, And that's where the um, Biltmore is, right? It is. I still yeah. haven't been. I mean, we've been Me Nashville, either. but like, I haven't been to it and I want to, especially at Christmas time because I heard it's beautiful. I know. It's so pretty. To- <laughs> I love Christmas. I'm a Christmas person. <laughs> and they filmed a Hallmark movie this year. It's going to be, it's called Christmas at the Biltmore. Like, I'm so stoked about it. I'm here for it. I don't watch Hallmark movies unless it's Christmas. And then I'm yeah. all for them. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, hey, everyone, unless it's Christmas. And then it's happy Christmas movies on Hallmark. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yes. Well, that's just like I always tell people I only read fantasy, right? I'm not trying to read the real world because that is not how relationships work out. Okay. So I don't want to read about it. If it's in a fantasy setting, all bets are off and I believe it. <laughs> that's how I was I recently (laughs) just like branched over into contemporary but that's honestly how I was for a long time um like I would pick up a book even that was supposed to like fantasy marketed and it would say something like um you know she was going to school at this whatever this college and I'm like oh nope (laughs) can't do it can't do it unless it's a school of magic or like you know a school of like high druidic arts like no no. yes (laughs) But recently, I've kind of branched over into fantasy and, I mean, into contemporary, and it's been good. It's been good. Brittany can talk to you about those. I read everything. Same. I'm a sucker for, like, small town romance and sports romance. Hockey romance. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) You just can't. There's, like, no other brand of contemporary romance that hits quite like hockey romance. Yep. Oh, love it. is that why you entered to win those tickets to that hockey game um maybe but also i just think it would be fun to watch people beat up other people <laughs> hockey games can get pretty um interesting for sure i'm excited about this you guys this is the first time i've ever done anything like this 
Well, it's not the first time we've done it, and I'm still so awkward. So sorry. <laughs> you are That's not just awkward. how we live our lives. <laughs> you know, it's it's okay. I feel like a little awkwardness is healthy, right? It is. No one can be that normal. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go with that. You know, I'm like the sicker made with that, like a little, you know, and just like that be my motto. Yeah. Yeah. What is normal? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know all obviously hello we're so glad to have you here um do you want to just go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are sure sure I I feel like this question is like always an invitation to be awkward so here we go like (laughs) we're for it I love it I feel like I'm in good company good um so I am obviously an author very new to the industry this is my debut novel that I just put out um really never like I've been a reader my whole life like I've always been that kid um from growing up that just like read everything I possibly could but then when I got to adulthood I went through a period especially when I was like in grad school that I didn't read anything because I felt like I was being forced to read um you know for school so I would just like was on a reading hiatus for many years and then like a lot of people I picked up the gateway drug we know as Akatar. um and I was like oh my god I'm back you guys and so I just was like reading, and you know we'll kind of I'm sure we'll kind of talk about this more as we talk about the book but I was like oh my gosh I'm so inspired like just being back in the fantasy genre it reminds me how much I love this and and it really got me back into mythology like heavily it's like all day long I'm at work right and I'm in the real world and you know, reality is not always pleasant. And I'm, I would go home and I'm like, you know, I need a way to de-stress. And I started writing and I was like, oh, I remember why I love this. So it was a really good moment when that clicked. So I'll say that um, being a writer is kind of just part of this multifaceted um, persona that I found myself in. So I love it, but I'm a dog mom, I'm a cat mom. And yeah. <laughs> what kind of dog and, and yeah. cat? I was gonna say they were just in here. Um, he's a little gray cat. His name's Banks, and he's precious. And then we have a senior dog. We've had him. My husband and I have had him for like I want to say he's eleven this year, so about eleven years. Um, and we love him. His name is Remus, and he's like oh, little, little like buddy. like Lupin Remus. Is that why y'all named him that? Like Remus and Romulus from mythology, <laughs> of course. <Gotcha. laughs> um, from Roman mythology. So yeah, they're they're good babies. I have. I have three cats and three dogs so oh nice <laughs> yeah I would love that to just live in a house where I'm just surrounded by all the animals like that's that's my dream that's my goals two of them are great Pyrenees so they're huge you are so. literally surrounded by them <laughs> yes but if I ever need a weighted blanket like you know being really anxious they just come and lay on my lap and it's perfect built-in weighted blanket I love that yeah <laughs> So tell us also really quickly what formats A Daughter Fortune Fire is available in and where we can find that. Yeah, so it's available in paperback or ebook and pretty much wherever books are sold. So Amazon is where the Kindle version is. If you're on Kindle Unlimited, it's available on Kindle as an ebook and then for purchase pretty much anywhere you can buy a paperback. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Walmart, Target, online, all the things. Um, and then recently I've been able to partner with some local indie bookstores in North Carolina and Tennessee. So in a few select bookstores, it is there as well. And on indiebound.org. That's awesome. <laughs> the ones you partnered with like um, locally that you have it, do you like pop in 
and and do that whole like secret sign thing ever? I do. So it was like the trippiest thing when I first got to do that. So one of the largest bookstores here in Asheville, it's an independent bookstore. It's been here for years. It's called Malaprops. And I love them so much. I've been a patron of theirs for a long time, even before I lived here. And I went in and just was kind of looking around the fantasy section, was able to network with the book buyer. And he's like, yeah, you're a local. We'd love to carry your book. So they bought a couple copies. Um, I went in and found them on the shelf and just that moment of like seeing them on the shelf, pulling them off. I walked to the front, super awkward style. And I'm like, um, I wrote this. Do you, can, can I like wrap my name in it? They're like, you mean, I'm like, yeah, that. he's like, oh, we'd love to. We'll just slap an autograph copy sticker on the front of it. I'm like, and then I go back and they both hold and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So yes, I've had that opportunity a couple of different times and it's been really good. That's so exciting. That is. So exciting. I love that. <laughs> It's so fun. It's like, what was it like when you walked in and saw your book <laughs> on the shelf? Like, I feel like that's just gotta be so surreal. It yeah. really is. And it's, it's interesting. So when you're on, so there's like a whole online formatting for buying books that really helps support indie bookstores called indiebound.org. And so you can, a lot of the indie bookstores actually use it as their primary search engine built into their own websites for ways that book buyers can still purchase online and support local. And so once I listed it on IndieBound, it actually opened the door to have it stocked in a lot more indie bookstores than just originally me networking. So it's kind of one of those things that I go into a store and like, maybe it's going to be there, maybe it's not. So it's like a fun little game of like, let's go check and see if my book's on the shelf. So it's been a really cool experience to have that partnership. That's neat. That's like a built-in game, like everywhere you go. How fun. No, <laughs> I know. It's so like, where's to- Waldo, but where's my book? Look. <laughs> Hello. It's really fun though. I'm so humbled and grateful to have that partnership. Um, and this was not a question that we wrote. Sorry, I just thought about it. So to put you on the spot, my bad. Um, <laughs> but Brittany and I were talking about this before about like how much we like the way like your book feels and it's beautiful and like, you know, so like how did you come across like like making the, you know, what's it called? Like the cover? Like literally how, you- how it feels. It feels so nice. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but like, but also like, how did you come up with the, oh, you can't see it's blurred, but, um, you know, like the artwork, how did you, is this exactly how you pictured it or? So I took forever to pick a cover. Um, I looked through a whole lot of different ones and I was one of those people originally, I was like, I'm not going to be a person that has like a person on my cover, like, like a figure. Like I, I wasn't ever really a fan of that in terms of other books that I'd seen. I mean, some were really great. But I was like, I don't think I'm going to be that person. I really was sort of gravitating more toward the covers that have a lot of different elements, like, you know, leaves and flowers and the pretty gold letters and things. Um, But I came across my cover designer, Crayfix Design, and it's um, the person I worked with there was Joan. She's fabulous. And she had a few um, like customizable pre-mades just available in her Etsy shop. And that was one of them. And when I saw it immediately, I was like, that's Rhea. Like that's Rhea. I was like, I can, and there's like a little tweaking, I feel like that needs to happen, but it just really hit me. I'm like, okay, the movement on the cover, just like the way that the words flowed in and out, the text mm-hmm. with the stuff, I was like, okay, I feel like this really kind of encompasses the book and it was coming that's, out this fall. So it's like, this is it. <laughs> it I feel is, like that it's has to be a great feeling. Gorgeous. It was an awesome feeling. And she was so good of like, she's like, yeah, I'll totally customize it, whatever you want. And I was that person, I was like, I just zoomed in to 500% and there's like this one thing. And she's like, yeah, I can move that leaf. It's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. It's 
wonderful because I'm just like a smidge OCD. Um, but it was a really good experience. So I would highly recommend her as a cover designer. Brittany would have been the same way. Uh, yeah, that's me. A hundred percent. But she was great. But thank you. Like, Anytime I'm making art graphics, like for the show or anything, I send Megan like 17 different options that are basically the same thing with like one letter shifted or like this one thing is a little bit shade of a different color. I'm like, Megan, which one do you like? She's like, they're all the same. Oh, like, nope. Been, like, <laughs> Stop so it. <laughs> at that point, I'm like, I don't care. You just pick. It's fine. I'm going with any of them. It's okay. just like, but they're different. I'm like, mm, not enough. <laughs> It's not like my husband. I do all my own graphics for my social media and things like that and my website. And I'll send him things while he's at work and be like, what do you think about this? And he's like, am I supposed to see the difference there? Because I don't. I'm sorry. You should just toss them to Brittany. She'll be like, oh, you're different. <laughs> so yeah, different. There's a new partnership going on here. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give us a little synopsis of what this book's about? <laughs> absolutely. So this book sort of... um follows our main character, our FMC, Rhiannon, in sort of this um, coming into herself, coming into her role, self-discovery process of what her magical journey looks like. So she has been raised and has lived in a pretty isolated part of the forest. Um, she's been raised by her grandmother. This story is set in ancient Ireland, so referred to as Era. And so it's set in the cycle of the Tua de Danian. So in the real mythology, um, the stories of Ireland from these cycle of invasions, we have the Tua, Tua de Danian who were then opposed by an invading party called the Milesians. And so in this book, we have, it's set in a time frame where the Milesians have sort of infiltrated the continent. And because the Tua de Danian are, um, basically precursors to the Fae. And that's one thing that I really wanted to sort of bring into the reader space is that we hear a lot about the Fae in different books. You know, everything is the Fae this, the Fae that, but like who were the Fae and where do they come from? And they were people from what we call the Land of Light. And so um, Land of Light being the home of the Tuatadanian. And so this book is basically set in that time period in Ireland when we sort of have this magical emergence that's then being quelled by this oncoming force of mortal men. And so there's this clash in this war space that's happening. And so we have one character who is, you know, sort of this representation of magic. And then we have another who is our main male character who is Milesian. And so the, basically they find themselves kind of forced to work together to achieve what they both want, which is finding this homeland, but for different reasons. And it turns out maybe the different reasons aren't as different as they thought. So interesting things happening. And then we also have some other side characters that come into the story and sort of bring their perspective. And we really get to see how this conflict really affected um, both of the parties in terms of, you know, war on the continent at the time. So I think what's really cool is that in the original mythology, we talk about how magic was something that was very highly revered in ancient Ireland. Um, and so this is sort of how that plays into the story itself. But whole new cast of characters, new storyline, not necessarily a retelling, but just this very high fantasy original magic system that weaves in um, mythology from ancient Ireland, Scottish mythology, Druidry, everything kind of all into this elemental earth magic um, space. So really excited to share that with the readers. Okay, so you told us a little bit like, you know, about who you are as a person and how you got into writing. Um, but 
like how can you tell us a little bit more about like your writing style like I know that some people say that they're what what did what the other a lady pantser. A pantser. I, you know, Are you an outliner or a pantser? I feel like I'm a little mixture of both. Um, I definitely became I was a pantser in the beginning, definitely, because the book was pretty much vibes for like the first three months. And then I'm like, okay, I gotta be a little bit of an outliner because I've gotta get a good clear vision as to where it's going. So this was, it was sort of an interesting process in the way this book came to me. And book two is sort of doing the same, but it, it kind of comes in like downloads. Like I'll be like doing mundane things like cooking dinner or in the shower or just like walking my dog. And I'll just get this really detailed scene that I want to put into the book, just kind of downloads like a movie in my head. And I'm like, I need to write that down because I could, I could work with that. <laughs> so that's sort of how it really kind of evolved organically throughout the first part of the book. So I definitely used an outline kind of when I got past, I would say like three to four chapters. So a little bit of a mix of both. I used, um, actually it was an, a workbook that I got on Amazon from a company called Story Folk. And it talks about fantasy romance and it sort of gives you these little prompts about like how you can improve your character building, how you can improve your world building and sort of like worksheets to keep you like, okay, well, Rowan has this color eyes and this color hair. So like, I don't say one thing in chapter two and one thing in chapter 30, that's different. And then people are confused. So you <laughs> I feel like, like I would need that for sure. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> that's like the part no one tells you is they're like, oh, you have to remember every single detail about every character that you write in this book. Mm -hmm. And you get the more you're like oh man what have I done <laughs> yeah I know um another author that I'm friends with has like it like all in like documents like yeah. like organized per character like it's just mm -hmm. all there so that that's never a thing that's impressive I've definitely made like character sheets since then with like Pinterest pictures and just inspo and things like that and I definitely was a fan of vision boards during the writing process too like I had actually have one for destiny but I don't want to like show it because it's got big major spoilers all over it um but it was like a huge poster board from like the dollar store that I had basically printed and cut out things and just all over <laughs> you could show it I was gonna say I'm, I feel like Megan's like let your camera fall <laughs> yeah you could show it this the video doesn't get seen it's just me and Brittany she can close her eyes okay so maybe she doesn't want it anywhere Megan Oh, I can totally sit right over in the corner. I'm in my office right now. So it's like right in the corner. Um, yeah, there's like not terrible spoilers on there. So you'd have to really use your imagination. But okay, here we go. I don't really have that. So it's fine. Okay, here we go. All right. Don't laugh at how much it looks like a kindergartner did it. There's our boy. And there's some stuffs. That's so exciting. Our boy. I can't wait. There's our girl. Hold on, here we go. Who's the girl in the middle? Um... With the dark hair? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Anya. <laughs> That's how you say her name. I told you that. <laughs> so I yeah, just it doesn't oh, matter man. what, it's Ain. Ain. Hey there, Ain. <laughs> so I'm telling you that podcast that you guys did when you reviewed the book, I was crying <laughs> for work. I was like, I love them. <laughs> We're something. We are. <laughs> Anya. Anya. <sighs> I feel like Rebecca Yaros on that recent interview where she was like, this is how I say these Gaelic words. I'm like, that is my worst fear. 
guide and she edited my entire book she lives in Ireland I'm like the last thing I'm about to try to do is culturally or linguistically appropriate a you know closed language or yeah. culture I was so ask you like do you actually know how to like, say all of these because like I'm like reading them um, and like I names yes some of the phrases in the book actually no um not appropriately so I had a few, and this is what was interesting, and I, I'm so thankful that I was able to connect with Sarah Giblin, who is my editor, but um, she's from Ireland, she's a native speaker, and she sort of um, was able to tweak a few of the phrases, like the phrase in the very first couple chapters that um, Alistair is sort of muttering to himself was originally written in Scots Gaelic, and I intended it to be Irish Gaelic because this is set on the ancient continent of Ireland, which is, is Era. And so um, she was like, so this is actually Scott's Gaelic. Did you, did you want me to translate it appropriately? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> that, no, she, she's wonderful. She's wonderful to work with. So yeah, I, I can't say all of those things. I wish I could. I'm actually trying to learn the language. So I'm, I'm taking it. It's lessons. so beautiful. Growing up, that was the one thing. Like if I could speak any language ever, that was the one I wanted to be able to speak, but like clearly I'd never learned. But that was the one I wanted. I didn't care about any of the other ones. No. And they're like, Megan, why would you want to do that? Because like it's not as widely used anymore, right? And I'm like, I don't, I'm don't there. <laughs> I still want to know. Okay. I love that. Uh, and that was something that was really important to me. And like after the book came out, not to get us too off topic, but you know, all the discussion then came out kind of in the book world about you know, not appropriating languages for your own personal use, just because it kind of sounds cool. And that was one of the reasons that originally kind of segued me into writing daughter to begin with is I was like, wow, I see a lot of these big name authors using names from real gods and goddesses from the Celtic pantheon and the pantheon of Welsh mythology, Scottish mythology. And no one actually is talking about who these people really were or what their magic was, or what their powers were. They're just using their names. Like some, some people, the only thing they will know of the name Caridwen is one of the characters in SJM, right? And in Other rights, yeah. Right, but Caridwen was a god, right? And so there's like a whole lot that just, I, I thought, okay, I want to tell their story, but I don't want to do a retelling. I just want to like do their stories justice and kind of weave them into this new original theme in this story so we sorry. love that because we yeah we're up. we're so happy you decided to do that yeah yeah I, I mean I I remember Brittany she started it before me and she was like Megan I'm almost done like it, it's so good Aww. like I'm almost done and I was like all right well I'm gonna get to it and then I picked it up so so sweet that's so trippy to it's just like the thought that this all once lived in my head and now people are like enjoying it and able to you know connect with these characters like that's just I'm so grateful. It's just the most rewarding thing in the whole world. I love it. So we know where like the theme sort of of the book came from. Where did our main characters come from? Was there any specific inspiration for them and their like personalities? So I always laugh at this because my husband is like, I'm Rowan, right? And I'm like, <laughs> 
So it all kind of came from this idea. So we're, I've, I had been tossing around the idea in my head for a while of kind of incorporating characters like in the Tuatha de Danian or the Tuatha de Danian, which is the mythological cycle of early Ireland into a story, but I didn't really know where I wanted to go with it. I just knew like, I really want to do these characters justice. So my husband and I are sitting on the couch one night, we're just chatting and he has done blacksmithing his entire life. Like he loves it. It's a really big hobby of his. And he's like, you should write a story. And I'm like, I mean, maybe like I'll get there eventually. It'll all kind of come to fruition if it's supposed to. And he's like, well, what do you think you and I would be like if we were in a story? And I'm like, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go. <laughs> he's like, you should write me in a book. It'd be cool. I could be a blacksmith and you could be like some, you know, high elf that has a bow and arrow because I like to do archery. And so I'm not saying at all. And like, when I tell people this story, they're like, oh, so it's you and your husband. It is definitely not me and my husband. <laughs> um, because as soon as I started sort of like the first scene I kind of got downloaded was the scene in the forest. And I say downloaded, because again, that's how it came to me. Mm-hmm. The forest where they meet for the first time. She stands up, the leaves are all swirling. She's like holding an arrow. He thinks she's about to shoot him and she shoots someone behind him. And he's like, that's actually really good. You should write that down. I'm like, is right person so <laughs> it sort of evolved that way but um yeah just kind of like a mesh of wanting to do justice to the mythology and the magic system and also having this idea of two people who found themselves sort of swept up into this world so yeah so you mentioned that your husband kind of like pushed you to write and like y'all talk about it and like you should write this down. So he seems like he's super supportive, but does he like to read? Does he, has he read it all? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> so <laughs> he hasn't read it all in the final version, but he's literally had it read to him chapter by chapter, pretty much. So he like knows the story and I'm like, well, you need to sit down and write like the, the read the full edited version. And he's like, I don't want the edited version. I want the version that you told to me as it came to you. And I'm like, that's really that's sweet. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I'll forgive you. <laughs> so yeah, he's been super supportive yeah. in this time. So can you tell us about some of the tropes that are in the book? Yes. So um, I was actually kind of thinking about this question. And, you know, the other day I made like a post on social media, just highlighting some of the tropes. Cause that seems to be kind of like a trend in the bookish world now. It's like, it's kind of a way So that when I first started writing, I'm going to be honest. I was like, what's the, what's the trope? <laughs> I didn't understand really like the point, but it's a really good way to kind of like make, um, help your readers learn about what your book kind of contains in a succinct way. So I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? This book has reverse age gap. It really does because she's yeah. 255 years old and he's 28. Like, I guess that's the trope. So it's got reverse age gap. It's got one horse, um, sort of one bad trope, but like not how you would think. Um, magical journey, chosen one. Um, what else? There's like a lot of them I feel like I forget about and I won't really realize it until other people point it out. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's uh, kind of this. What about you hidden, guys? Like hidden, like hidden powers, hidden, uh, what lineage kind of thing? Yeah, like hidden. I won't say like royalty, but like hidden lineage, hidden powers, the chosen one kind of thing. Um, well, for both, like for two, two different, ver- like, you know, it's kind of all yeah. over the place. Oh yeah. Multiple POV. That was something that um, also I didn't really intend to do starting out, but Anya got really loud toward the middle of the book. And she was like, this is my book now. So it, it was fine. <laughs> I loved her section though. I mean, uh, as much as you can love, you know, like, what happened and everything. 
I, I really think, and I've heard that consistently from a lot of readers is that they were really able to connect with her story and just with the way that she processed her emotions and the way that she's sort of healing. And I won't, I don't know, is this a, is this spoilers or no spoilers? That's up to you. Um, So like maybe for like the listeners, we can spoiler free in case some people want to use this as a segue into reading the book and kind of right. going in blood, which I'm the same way. I like to do that. Um, so I just really feel like that's one of my things I hear consistently. And I love that because she started off, it was going to be an alternative point of view. Originally, I was just going to make the whole thing sort of in like third person. And just when she comes into the story, I really, really struggled a lot with, do I leave her part of the story where it's at in the middle of the book? Does it feel too much like it's interrupting Rowan and Rhea's process and sort of like taking that away? But the more and more I started writing her, the more I was like, okay, no, she has something to say. Like it needs to stay here. And I feel like there's a reason for that, but her story really takes off in book two. So I'll just That's say that. exciting. But I, I love her. She has a special place in my heart for sure. And I will definitely say that like when I read it, I did get to that part and was kind of like, where's this going? Like this was completely different. Like, okay. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm like, well, let me change gears, but cool. And then it just like ties in so well, like from that point forward, like that it's just, thank you. like, it, I don't think it could have gone anywhere else. Like, yeah. When it first went to her, I thought it was going to do sort of like a chapter of her here and then back to them. And so like, I was like, okay, that's fine. I, I'm in this. But then by the time I realized it wasn't that, I was just like, okay, let's hear it, girl. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, I think it, it, it was perfectly placed. You. I really struggled with that. And even through the editing process, like my editor, Sarah was amazing and that she was never one to be like, Hey, you need to do this. We need to do that. She's very writer centric. So she was like, here's the options that we have. If you want to make this a little more like what's traditionally on the market, we can go like kind of back and forth POV between Anya and then Rhea and Rowan, or we can leave it as it is and kind of let it unfold organically. And I just, I struggled with the thought of changing it. Like I, I really felt like it needed to be where it was. And now kind of seeing how book two is unfolding in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> so I'm excited to share that whenever that the time comes. So, so are we. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I know this is like not in order, but can you just, can you just tell us when the uh, timeline for maybe that? Um, so April is going to be the release, April or May. Like, like coming up, April? Like coming up, um, as much as that gives me absolute hives, <laughs> um, <laughs> our, our team will get it in March. So, so soon. Um, I intended to only take like a month hiatus from writing in between the two, but I ended up taking a little bit more. So my deadline's getting like, my word count per day is getting a little bit higher, but it's <laughs> all good. <laughs> if that's I'm not so procrastinating, I'm not getting any work done. So if you're like me, oh, that's just going to help. <laughs> like, nobody tells you how much it is like juggling with working full time. Cause like being a professor, I mean, to the point where I'm like computer over here, writing computer over here, grading papers. And my husband's like, you need to do something not around a screen for like a good minute, <laughs> like go outside and touch some grass or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah but I'm really loving having that outlet still so it's been really good I'm on your arc team right you are you couldn't kick us off if you tried 
And I'll probably be doing more paperback arcs this go around just because now I'm like more um, sort of acclimated to the process of book distributing, how to get those and like the wholesale component of it. That was another thing of like navigating as a new author was like, no one, there's no guidebook, right? Like you have a million options. No one really tells you like what's most beneficial or what's going to work best for you. You just kind of have to figure it out by trial and error. So this time I do anticipate being able to send out a lot more paperback arcs and maybe even some PR boxes. We'll see how it goes. So I'm excited. Yeah. That whole process just seems like daunting and terrifying if I'm quite honest. So I had to do so much research, you know, and that's the thing is like, I made mistakes. I learned from those mistakes. Um, I did things I'm like, oh, this actually worked out well. And then there were some things that were like, okay, I would do this a little differently the next go around. So yeah, it was a learning process, but I'm, I'm overall really happy with how things turned out. Yeah. I just saw this thing. Um, and it, and it seems like you kind of like, I know you're still like an indie author, obviously, but like, you just like have. I don't know, you just seem organized about everything. Like, <laughs> so I just read this thing though, where somebody was about to upload their book to Amazon, like to load it for the, I think it's KDP is the, and something happened and they, they there was like a, like an error. And so the Amazon people told them to take it down and redo it. And they got that thing saying like they had to wait a year to load something. And so luckily they got it fixed. But like, could you imagine how, I mean, it would, you'd be able to imagine it more than me, but that just seems. <laughs> that I saw, I think I saw that it was on TikTok and if it was the same person that I think I saw, they were mentioning how it caused them to lose over like 150 pre-orders. That's, that's the one I saw. I saw that one. Oh my gosh. Because with KDP, like it, you have to have a deadline by when you tell them that, that you'll have, so like your release date is this, but then you have to have the manuscript totally uploaded by 48 hours. I think it's 48 hours prior to the release date so that they can process it. And if you don't by like 11:59 PM that night, they like cancel your book essentially. So any pre-orders tied to that are kind of gone. And I guess this person had like got their dates mixed up. I, w- I just felt for her. I was like, yeah, it was like mm-hmm. one day wrong. I'm so sorry. Like, yes, it was, it was so nerve wracking. Like, yeah. The last day of edits, my husband was like worried. I didn't eat like the whole day. I was just like, like a zombie, like, and they're like on the computer. He's like, you need to take a break. Let's go to Jimmy John's or something. Like you got to take a, a break. Okay. And I'm like, no, I can't. I got, I have deadline. And he's like, oh, oh my God, <laughs> what is happening to you? <laughs> It's, it's definitely like when you get down to the wire, like closer to your release date, so nerve wracking. But once it's kind of out there in the world, there is this feeling of like lightness and relief of like, okay, my part's done for now. Now the readers have it and it's out of my hands and you just kind of see how it does. So Do you think yeah. it'll be like that every time or just like the first time? I think it will in terms of like the nervousness, just because of like the kind of person I am, like, again, being like a a mix of a pantser and an outliner, like I am fairly organized just because I feel like I have to be for work and things like that. But at the same time, I do also procrastinate. So (laughs) getting down to the wire, I know I'm going to be like, okay, things are getting real and reality is going to hit. So I anticipate it, but I feel maybe I'll be better prepared this time. So we'll see. Um, so how many books are in, do you plan on the series being, or do you know yet? 
So it's going to be a trilogy, definitely. So definitely slotted for three books. Um, I don't have the title yet for book three, but it's going to be book one, book two, book three. And then I, my friend and I were kind of chatting the other day and I've debated and kind of played around with the idea of doing a prequel novella about Alistair and his wife. So Rowan's parents and how they met, because, you know, I'm not going to go into detail again because spoilers, um, but just that whole story of how that led to the moment of him, you know, coming into existence and how that happened. So would Bitha be in there? I know I've said that wrong. <laughs> but... So funny story. I did that thing where silly American mispronouncing Gallic words. I intended her name to sound something along the lines of Biatha, right? So I was like, Biatha. Um, it's not how it's pronounced in Gaelic, so it's going to be pronounced how it's pronounced in Gaelic because I don't get to interpret languages that are not my language, right? So when I actually got the translation from my editor, it's actually, you're gonna, you guys are going to laugh, it's pronounced Baja. I love it. I feel like that fits her, honestly. I mean, yeah. Grandma <laughs> Baja. That's what it is. I love it. Oh, and I love it. You know, I've embraced each of these guys in their own right and their own personality but that was so so important to me was like to get the language right to get the culture right and do that in a way that was like not just another American author appropriating something that I didn't specifically belong to you know I wanted I wanted to tell her story but do it in a respectful way so her name is Baha um I really <laughs> actually liked how when I was able to because I, I translated all of the words from Gaelic to be able to represent kind of what that character stands for or what that town stands for. Um, originally, I thought it was pronounced Bale, but the town is Balia. So I really loved how that some of the words sort of came out in, ter in terms of like, you know, pronouncing them appropriately. Um, it was like ba Balia. Like, I love that. I love how that sounds. So it was good. But yes, she I actually. I them all. <laughs> okay pronunciation guides are important and mm -hmm. I have my proofread that I'm like I need you to proofread the pronunciation guide and I'm doing it wrong and so that's how I found out about Baha's name but <laughs> I, I don't know if she'll be in it um we'll have to see I want to know more about her yeah she definitely has a lot of um intrigue I think and she will be definitely I will say a power player in book two um so without giving too much away in terms of spoilers, and we can talk about this like after conversation stuff if you want, just because <laughs> you want to know. Um, but for the readers, I think they're going to find that she will be a power player in her own right in book two. Nice. That's exciting. I'm excited. Okay. So what was the most like, well, what was your favorite thing about writing this book? And like, what was like the most exciting? Um, Honestly, I, so my favorite, most exciting thing, I really feel like was kind of the moment I realized that the story was going to become more multifaceted than it was. So writing Anya's story was honestly my favorite part in the whole process. Um, I love Rhea and I love Rowan and I love where their story is going, but Anya's story sort of just kind of evolved organically. And I think just that moment I realized that, hey, this is going to be a little bit alternative format in terms of traditional POVs and fantasy books, but she has something to say in the way that I was sort of getting those downloads of, you know, the emotion of the character and what her story would eventually evolve to become. Um, that was my favorite part. Like when I wrote her story, I can just remember sitting 
at the computer and when it starts, I believe it's chapter 10 or chapter 11, I was just like before, not that I was necessarily tracking my word count super closely, but I was like, okay, this is a good night. I got 2000 words out tonight, or this was a good night. I got 3000 words tonight. But when I started writing, it was like, I would look down and I was, you know, seven, 8,000 words in. And I was like, oh, she is loud today. Um, so I love that. And I just, my favorite part was when you get into this creative flow and it's, I never knew this until I started writing. Um, and I talked to other authors that have said they also have experienced this as well, but you almost get into this state of the creative flow where your subconscious thoughts and even things that you didn't even really realize that your imagination could achieve start coming out on paper essentially. And you go back later and read it and you don't remember writing it. And that part is super trippy. I'm like, I wrote that, like, I but it's weird because when you start writing, like when you really get into the meat and potatoes of a book and you get into this creative flow, it can almost feel like you're having an out of body experience. It's very weird. I didn't anticipate that at all, but that was a really cool part of this process. I will say that, that has to be like weird though. Like going back and being like, man, this is, this is good. I, like, I did this. I thought you used the word good necessarily, but I was like, I don't remember this happening. Oh, oh, it did. And I asked another friend of mine, um, if she experienced the same thing and she said she did. So I don't know if you guys have read Bound and Barbed by Samantha Good. Amazing, amazing vampire fantasy romance. Ooh. It's so good. Highly recommend. Um, she's actually been like an author mentor to me in a lot of ways. One of her, um, her book went viral on TikTok and she's been on a lot of different bookstagrams and things like that, but she's a fabulous writer. She lives in Ohio, I want to say. But we started corresponding through um, messages on Instagram because I loved her book. And when I started writing mine, she was like, yeah, that happened. Like that happened to me with this book. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm not crazy. Awesome. Great. <laughs> sure. You said bound and barbed? Mm -hmm. I wrote, yep. I wrote it down. It's the Faded Creations trilogy. I actually just arc read and beta read for her second book, Made and Marred which is um, second in the trilogy. And then she'll have sewn and scarred coming out as well, but highly recommend. She's wonderful. Because, you know, we need to add things to our TBR. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know behind me, you'll see a portion of my physical TBR, which is like totally processed. My Kindle TBR, we're not going to talk about it. No. After Sunday, day, I was like, I feel ashamed. <laughs> Can we just talk about the fact that like my Kindle TBR, we don't talk about, and it's not, realistic like it's probably I'm not going to go back and look at it because I forget about them because I can't see them but they're there for just in case one day and they were free yep. so I had to get them Same. exactly Same. I'm never going to read them see one pop up on social somewhere like on TikTok and I'll be like oh I think I own that okay let's go read it <laughs> kind of how I pull and cherry pick them out yep. <laughs> mine's more like let me I'll, I'll pull it up and I'll be like okay let me add it to my Kindle wish list and like I can heart it, you know, on, and then I'm like, oh, it's already hearted. Yep. <laughs> oh, no, and I'll forget about it again. It's fine. <laughs> out of my bag. It's fine. Until the next time. Until next time. It's good to know I'm not alone in this. No, no, no it's a it's black a hole. Good. Yeah. People who say like, you know, like um, buying books and reading books are two different hobbies. I have them both. Mm -hmm. yep, I'm first with that as well. It's great. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> we asked about series like this series and like it's planned to be three books you might have a prequel do you have any other like 
not part of the series stories brewing in your head? I do. Um, so we talked a little bit about kind of in the beginning, how I got into reading. And when I was a kid and a teenager growing up, I was super obsessed with mythology, which eventually led me to write this trilogy, but all types of mythology, right? Greek mythology, Norse mythology, Celtic mythology. And so being back into kind of the sector of looking and researching, I've started collecting on top of my fiction books, a bunch of nonfiction books about mythology as well. Um, and I've become really, really interested in the story. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Oracle of Delphi. So from Greek mythology, the they call her the Pythia, but she was sort of a priestess in this Greek um, temple. And she was almost like the mouthpiece or the messenger for the god Apollo. And I feel that she's not really talked about a lot in the mythology. Like if you know her, you know her. But I had um, some interesting ideas for not necessarily a retelling, but a story of what her experience might have been like from the perspective of the Oracle of Delphi. So I don't know it yet if it will be kind of standalone or if it will be part of a series, maybe a duology, but I do have a couple of storylines kind of rolling around in the noggin about the Oracle of Delphi. So that's exciting. Mythology based story. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I was at work earlier and like looking through the questions, like trying to like not sound like a bumbling person on this interview, <laughs> being somewhat prepared. <laughs> you haven't sound bumbling at all. So thank you. So good. It's so funny, like one on one conversations, like you never know that I lecture in front of like 30 students for a living every day. <laughs> like, what are words? I feel like I could never ever do that. I would just throw up. Here for me talk in front of a large group than it is a smaller group like one-on-one or like a group of two or group of three so I'm glad you guys didn't think I was too bummed no not at all appreciate your no I I just got a new (laughs) boss at work it's kind of like a new old boss we've been working together like in the same office for almost six years now and at one point he was technically my boss's boss but then they like shuffled but in the six years I have never gotten comfortable with this man he makes me so awkward like the entire office knows he makes me awkward I I told him like five times to his face the other day in a meeting how awkward he made me and like made sure to tell him because he goes well sometimes you just need a step back from your boss's boss and I was like no it's not it's not that you're my boss's boss it's just you it's just you I feel like yeah and I that was that was after I told him that he made me want to curl up in the fetal position and die thinking about doing something in front and of him. And quit your job. <laughs> yeah. And quit my job. I It was it was great. <laughs> you know, I think some oh. people, you guys definitely don't. It's been super easy to talk with you guys. Y'all are so chill. But, you know, some people have, like, just this high energy about them. And you walk in a room and, like, all of a sudden you fill up tight. And you're like, oh, okay. God. Like, it's that effective communication component of just like oh wow I suddenly feel like I don't know how to speak (laughs) yeah stop it (laughs) but we've been we've been so excited like literally since like the first like little bit of communication that we had with you like and told you like we read it and like kind of started talking with you we've been so excited to like just get to talk to you are excited guys are precious and I really really love seeing your promote and then like seeing your follower count grow I'm like yeah more people 
so appreciate that. Every time we see it, we're like, oh my God, she's so nice. No, I love it. And I feel like in the bookish community, like we have to support each other, you know, like yeah. as indie authors, so like no one is going to get the word about your book out there. It is you a lot of times when you're self-marketing and things like that. And when you have someone who's part of just this amazing community that steps in and says, you know what? I liked your book and I'm going to tell people about it. That just means so much. So like anything that I can do to reciprocate that, I'm going to do that because I, I just appreciate it so much. Like you have no idea. That's why I love this place. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of what we've talked about, like the whole time, like, you know, right now we're doing a reread of Akatar, right? And so our, our new, like in season two coming up is going to have Akatar, but we were talking about it. And I was like, Brittany, um, cause you know, we had some authors still out the form and stuff and we were like, but when are we going to fit them in? And so we were like, we need to just come up with like a new time for them to be able to like get shared. So we'll start sharing twice a week because like there's no way we can just focus on this because like the whole point that we started this is to make sure that we were out there to help the indie community because like there's so many good voices out there that get drowned out and so like obviously we're not like super famous but what we can do to help we want to do gonna be super famous okay like I have saying it everyone's gonna know right like this is all I talked about at my Christmas party today because we have a few people in my department that also love to read and I'm like do you guys know about bookish podcast because it's a thing like you should follow them because they're amazing and I'm gonna be doing an interview with them tonight and they're like really so like hopefully your follower account continues to grow that's so exciting you (laughs) all right was there anything that on air you wanted to talk about tell readers about that we maybe skipped over missed yeah um let me take a look I feel like again thanks for thinking I'm not bumbling I felt a little bumbling no Uh, like obviously I read the book (laughs) 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 kind of like having that like extra knowledge like you know I I knew about the I'm not gonna say it those people (laughs) terrible (laughs) uh you the prefect i knew about them but i, I didn't actually know the malaysians Mil- were real people they were so interestingly enough a lot of what you hear in chapter and i, I actually really did want to talk about this because i again ner- nerd mythology um what you're reading in that part where Ro- where ria is in the cabin and she's reading the chronicles of the two Dadanian, what you're reading is actually the ancient cycle of when the Tua first came to the continent of Ireland and their conflict with a race of people called the Fomorians. I do and know the, them. The Fyrbalag, yep. So <laughs> if you remember Balor, who is a character, the one who gets kind of um, in the the story that she's reading, the Nicknavan sort of banishes him to the bottom of the sea. That actually happened in the real mythology and it was done by um, a character named Lou. Um, it looks like it's it's L-U-G-H, but it's Lou, who is the basically a representation of Rowan. Um, Rowan is a descendant of Lou. And so a lot of that mythology is going to reappear in book two. And so it'll sort of all tie in. So not necessarily spoilers, because I don't think maybe a whole lot of people are going to understand the real significance and symbolism behind Lou's role. But Lou was um, a high king in the two Adidanian legends. And so there's like a whole lot of things that happen um, with that story. But so that retelling that Chronicles of the Tua was basically um, recalling their first conflict with the Fearbolic or with the Fomorians. 
And then they lived on the continent sort of in peace for a few thousand years. And then the Milesians came. And they say that in terms of like the research that they've done, that the Milesians might have originally come from what is modern day Portugal or even Spain. And so yeah. it's um, it's pretty interesting to see kind of that mix of cultures. And um, I was watching it. Don't ask me why. I was watching an episode of Ancient Aliens the other night. Um, by the way, there's a whole episode in case you're interested of Ancient Aliens about the Tuatodanian, because some people swear that the Tuatodanian were extraterrestrial because they come from the land of light and they walked on a cloud of light to appear. They were they were said to have been brought to the continent of Ireland on a cloud. So do the math on that one. Don't know what that means, but eventually they went to live under the hills when they were then banished by the Milesians because ultimately they were defeated by the Milesians. And so they went to this other realm, this, she's like, what? <laughs> this other world, and we call it the she. So even to this day in Ireland, whenever they're around fairy mounds, they're like, this is the Tua Dedanian eventually disappeared from human sight because of their magic being banished. So they went to the other side of the she interesting stuff but a lot there's a lot of under um underwritten details of mythology that are sort of woven through this story so I really love that is the she like part of under the hill or are they separate yep so essentially it's the same thing so they called them like the people of the mounds or the people under the hill but what they really think happened is that they basically jumped dimensions and they still exist to this day in the land that we can see with our human eyes, but we can't see them unless they want to be seen. So if you've ever heard people talk about a fairy sighting or a fae sighting, there are certain parts of Ireland where that is still very heavily geared as being something that can happen to you, right? Like even, you know, don't be in this area too long because you might be taken by a fairy or, you know, you might- You see take me. <laughs> but yeah, so I just think it's so interesting sort of to see that interwoven in. So book two and book three are really going to dive way more deeply into the mythology. And you'll really see a lot of those um, legends come out more so in the storyline. So I'm super excited about that. Me too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I broke for a second again. I'm not great. <laughs> I was trying to. You went like, uh, and I was like, okay, let's wait for me. <laughs> Listen, I was reading book info repeat. And I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Like my brain just like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. The, this is this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have had the pleasure of talking with Jessica about A Daughter Forged in Fire. Um, we learned when book two is coming which i am super stoked about and maybe some other fun stories down the line um but a daughter fortune and fire is available now widely online and in some stores um and we will have all of jessica's socials and any other links that you want us to put we'll have all of those in the show notes for all of our listeners to connect with you as well um, i look forward to that i can't wait to share this story with everyone if you're interested um i hope you like it and if you have any questions feel free for you know for jessica if you have questions just shoot them through us and we'll get them to her yeah <laughs> <laughs> i welcome any and all questions pronunciation questions all the things <laughs> Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for having me here. This is awesome. It's been our pleasure too. And we yes. look forward to talking with you in the future about all these other books.
Yeah, I know. I'm absolutely excited to share everything with you guys. So thank you all for having me on the show. And this is awesome. I'm just, I'm so stoked. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. We're the weirdest. It's fine. I'm here. I'm telling you, like, normal's not real. <laughs> <laughs>